and I had these this friend who who was going to um, uh, get me get me some drugs actually some some marijuana and he he was going to meet up at with me uh, at this uh, KFC by my house uh, my parents house and it was late at night so I started texting him and I had like this dumb phone at the time so I started texting him I'm like hey you still good to meet up at so or so it was like two o'clock or something. And he's and I all of a sudden started receiving texts from him, and my texts were coming in coded, like literally they looked like code, like they were symbols, they were number numbers and random letters, and they came in like tons of chunks. Like I got like five messages and just like all code, like weird stuff, and it kind of freaked me out. I'm like, what the heck's going on? Like what the? And so I didn't. I ended up not meeting him. I ended up not going out and getting what I was looking for, and and so I just kind of chilled. Um, and that, I knew that was a moment. I knew that was God who coded that message. I kid you not. Like, I really believe that was God who coded that message. The Christian is to witness for Christ. Now, how do you witness? You witness by the way you live. At this moment, God commands all men to repent and believe. La caída que tuviste hoy será la experiencia que te ayudará. This is your testimony. Well, everyone, welcome to Testifying. Testifying is a podcast where we want, you know, people to know God through testimonies. And last week we didn't have an episode and that's because, like, I was very sick. I, I swear my voice was... To say on it so like I could barely speak and so we were actually gonna record this episode last week but you know um but since I got sick we couldn't so now we uh we're actually doing it uh today and I think I kind of forgot how to do this too because I haven't done this in a while <laughs> but uh so I'm kind of excited um um so what we're in the month of November and so this month, I actually wanted to record like pastors, you know, giving their testimonies, and um, well, so today I'm actually going to interview um at my you know our youth pastor at my church, um. So go ahead, uh, Ian, go ahead and introduce yourself. Hey everyone, uh, my name is Ian Menendez. I'm the youth pastor at Word of Life Church, and I've been there for around three years now, and. Uh, I'm married. I have a beautiful wife, Maddie Menendez, and we've been married for just over a year, actually, like a year and a month right now. So uh, it's been really good. But yeah, so that's a little bit about me. Well, that's awesome. Um, so uh, how long you said? How long have you been a youth pastor? You said. I've been technically I've been an official pastor, youth pastor, for six months, maybe now. I I finished some classes and I'm a pastor. But I've been in like youth now, youth director for three years, I believe, since yeah, twenty twenty. Yeah. And and how are you yeah, liking that being being a youth pastor? Uh it's it's been really good. It's been a really big learning experience. Um, I I would say, yeah, pro- it's been probably one of the craziest times of my life, just because I had just uh, I was only. 19 when I started or so so yeah it's been actually like two and a half years and I was like only 19 when I started and I just 
it helped me grow a lot. <laughs> it really did. It was one of those things like you start, uh, you get put in a in a situation or a place where you either have to grow or you just crumble. And so it's, I know it was definitely a God thing because it helped me mature and helped me grow. And it's been really great though. It's been, it's been awesome. I never expected it though. I never thought I would be a youth pastor. <laughs> I was about to ask you that if you ever saw yourself being a, a youth pastor. No, no, not at all. I never, um, yeah, I never ever th- really thought I was going to be a youth pastor. It never came to my mind. It's just a God thing, I guess. Oh, yeah. So, you know, before we get into how, well, I kind of want to get in your story, how you, how, how you kind of, you know, how you got into becoming a youth pastor, you know, how was like your life before it? Um, obviously, um, your, your dad is my pastor, um, you know, Pastor Mariano. Um, so yeah, you know, I, I, um, so, you know, let's just start out. So like, um, how long have you been serving God, like faithfully? Well, um, that's a kind of a complicated question just cause, um, like, like you heard Daniel said, uh, my dad's actually a pastor, Pastor Mariano, and he's been a pastor all my life. So I've grown up in the church. I've grown up in a Christian pastor's family. And um, so from a young age, I knew the Lord. I think I was probably, I, I had, I was probably around five or six. I don't even remember when I gave my life to Jesus, but I know I was pretty young, five or six, I would say. And so I've always known, I, I don't remember the moment, but I've always remembered being with Jesus, you know, having that relationship with Jesus and understanding what that meant um, as early as I can remember. And uh, I, you know, we can get into it, but I, I had you know, my moments, but I've walked with Jesus for a long time. But I would say these past three years, you know, now, two, three years have been the time where I really gave it all to Jesus. I really fully committed and saying, okay, this is it, you know. And I, I, I do kind of, cause I, I kind of get curious sometimes, but like, you know, I, you know, you grew up, you know, as you were growing up, you know, your dad was the pastor. Did you ever feel like you had that pressure on you for being like the pastor's kid? Oh yeah. Yeah. It was, it was definitely, um, it was something I didn't notice for a long time. So growing up, we, I was born in Grand Island in Nebraska, and then we moved to Scotch Bluff, and that's where my dad started pastoring, lead pastoring a church. And I grew up there till I was around 12 years old, 11, 12 years old. And, um, and I didn't n- really know necessarily that pressure, you know, until I would say I became uh, like a teenager. Because then we moved to Columbus when I was 12, 12 around, about to turn 12. And uh, we, it was, it was like that moment where, you know how you get older and you start to become more aware of things and you become more aware of, you know, people around you and just situations and just start to understand things. That's kind of what happened for me. As I started to understand more things going on around me, I really felt um, the pressure of like, oh, I got to be a pastor's kid and then just where the church was at at the time there's a lot of like this performance mindset and so I know a lot of people even if they never said it and even if they didn't intend it that's just what I felt and uh 
it, honestly, that that's what I would say would really, I, I kind of started walking away from the Lord a little bit. Um, and that, that's kind of brought some troubles in my life, honestly. When you were having, like, when did you, like, oh, I don't know how, how I can ask this, but, like, like, you know, when you say you were having troubles in your life for a little bit, like, what were you going through? Like, what happened during those times? Um, well, when, when I, when, like I said, once I moved here, I started to become aware, like you said, of that pressure. And, uh, and a few, like a few years before that, um, I, a friend had introduced me to pornography, actually. And from a young age, I was, I got into pornography. And at first, I didn't really know what was going on. And I didn't realize. And I just, and then I just kind of got hooked. And I didn't want to say anything, you know, just felt that. And so then when I, when I it, then it just got worse. Because once I started to feel like this pressure of, it almost felt like this, oh, you're the pastor's kid, you got to look perfect, you got to play this part, you know, you've got to have it all down, you've got to know your Bible verses, you know, you, you should be the one being the example. I felt like I couldn't be open. And, you know, I felt like I couldn't let people know what was going on. And so that was one of the big issues was pornography in my life. And I just wouldn't say anything to anyone. I would just put on this face of like, I'm all good, you know. And so when you when you do that, that's where I would say, like I said, I've, I've known Jesus for a long time, but that's where I would say I started to struggle from it being a relationship to becoming a religion because it just became now this facade of this, I'm doing this because I needed to do it. I'm, I'm going to church because people expect me to go to church and I need to, I need to do the best at it. I need to be the best. I need to look the best because I, that's what people expect. Otherwise, I'm going to disappoint, you know, and so it became this like facade, this face mask type of thing. Wow. Um, so I obviously this I, I, I've known this from me and you talking, but you were homeschooled, like, right? Yeah, I, I, w- I ended up getting pulled out of school when I was like, fourth grade, I think, third, fourth grade, right before we moved to Columbus, because I had thought they had thought that um, my family, had thought that we were going to move to Hawaii. And that's where we actually thought, because we, we knew, my family knew we were kind of in this transition at the end of, you know, Scotch Bluff. And, and there was this opportunity in Hawaii to go pastor a church. And my parents really felt like we were going to go there. And so my mom had done some research with the schools and she decided that she wanted to homeschool us instead. So we actually started homeschooling like a year, a uh, year and a half before we actually moved to Columbus. And then things changed, doors closed, and then Columbus opened up and we just kind of stayed homeschooled. So... Hawaii, wow! Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. Like, was it gonna be with like the Assemblies of God too, or? I think so. Yeah, I think so. Huh, but um, you know, you being homeschool was that kind of like, how did that feel for you? Like, was it kind of difficult, or? Because I know it's different because you don't obviously you don't go to school with like other kids, you know. But oh, how yeah. how how it... how do you feel? You know at. At first, I was very, I was a little disappointed because I kind of felt, um, you know, when we were in Scotch Bluff and I got pulled out, we, I kind of got disconnected with my friends in a way. And I kind of was feeling like, you know, I stopped 
they stopped inviting me to different things, you know, just, I mean, I was a kid, so it was like sleepovers and like, you know, hangouts and, and I kind of stopped getting invited to as many as those, as many, um, of, of those. And, and, uh, but it was definitely a God setup because it was easier than to move because I wasn't as close to my friends. And so I knew that was God. And then moving here, um, we didn't know anyone. And there was another, uh, one of my good friends of mine who ended up getting homeschooled too. And so it was kind of me, him and my siblings. And the, luckily Columbus has a really good community of homeschoolers. So we got connected with some other kids and like, uh, we had some, you know, lots of friends in the church. And so I say connected with like, I had a group of friends and stuff. Um, but it was different because it wasn't like you see everyone every day and, you know, you're not going to school and there, there's good and bad. Like I, I personally did enjoy it. There, there was those moments of feeling like, um, kind of alone or like, for example, um, we had the choice as kids, if we wanted, once we got to high school, if we wanted to, um, go to school in high school, because, you know, that's when the classes start getting harder. And my mom's like, you know, if you want to, you can, um, because I couldn't, they wouldn't let me play sports unless I took 50% of my classes there at least. And, um, and I didn't want to because I, well, I, I kind of, I wanted to play sports, but I wanted to hunt more. I like hunting. <laughs> so, so I, we, there was a couple of times where I, my uncle lives in Colorado. So I got to go on like a two week hunting trip with him, like one week in the mountains for elk, one week in like the, the plains for antelope. And it was, and so like the stuff like that, or like, I, for example, if it was a nice day, I could ask my mom, Hey, can I go fishing during the day and do my school at night? And so I really liked that flexibility and freedom. So I decided to just stay homeschooled. And that's what I loved about it. So there are some really good perks about being homeschooled, huh? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah. So, um, like, during your youth or, like, you know, when you, like, you know, like, even in middle school or high school, did you ever, did you ever feel like you were different, like, compared to, like, other kids? Yeah. You know, like... I, by the way you were, you know, by the way you were raised and by the way you've seen, like, other kids raised. Do you kind of get oh, what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah, I know what you're saying. I definitely felt that. Like, like I said, being part of a pastor's family, you know, and, and uh, just really committed to God. You know, there's a lot of things. Like, for example, there was this, um, I liked playing soccer a lot. And there was, uh, you know, club soccer and stuff like that. and But they played on Sundays and you know, my family had decided, you know, we're not going to play on Sundays, you know, because we don't want to put sports above God. And so, you know, and then people would be like, oh, why can't you just go, you know, or, and it, it, there was little things like that, you know, whereas just kind of feeling like, oh, am I missing out on things or, you know, or, you know, am I a little weird because my family does this and, you know, but I think that's sometimes with everyone, everyone feels a little bit like that. It's so crazy because I, I remember when I was a kid, too, because, you know, I grew up in a church, too, and there was, like, a lot of things I didn't do. Like, for example, like, my parents, like, when it was Halloween and my school would have a Halloween party, my par- my parents would take me out of school. So I wouldn't be involved in the Halloween party, and I would feel, like, left out. But so, cr- but I find this so crazy because now that I'm, you know, an adult, and I'm like, you know, I really love God. Like, I see things differently. Like, now I see what my parents see, you know? And yeah. <coughs> yeah. It is so crazy. Because um, I don't know. Because once you, like, 
truly have that heart for God, like, honestly, at the end, all you want to do is, you know, you just want to, you know, serve God, basically, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. But could you tell us a time when, like, well, like, when was, like, the first time you remember that you had, like, your first real encounter with God, you know? Um, I would have to say one of, I don't, I, I don't have a great memory. And so there's a lot of like, you know, especially childhood things that sometimes I don't remember. Um, but there is this one moment, this one memory I have, um, of when we, I, I think I was six years old. I, I mean, I don't even remember my age. I, it was one of those things I kind of remember. My parents know better the story. But um, I was like six years old, and I was in a, in our church, and we were having like a prayer night or something like that. And we were praying for the nations. And and I was just like playing with my toys. or And the, this is the kind of the moment that I remembered is I just remembered – I almost remember this color, actually. When I think of this memory, for some reason, I remember gray, like this grayish blue. And and then I just heard this voice. It wasn't an audible voice, but I knew it wasn't my voice. Like, I knew it wasn't my own thoughts. And it was just like, you're going to be a missionary in China. And that's what I felt. And And I just, and all of a sudden, I was like, oh, my gosh. And so I went and told my dad. And this is like six years old, so I'm like, hey, I'm going to, Hey, Papi, I'm going to be a missionary to China. God's telling me I'm going to be a missionary to China. And and what's amazing is that he took it, like, he took it seriously, which was so cool about my dad is that, you know, when he, we were saying, like, hey, this is what God's saying to us, even as a young age, that he really respected, like, what God was saying. Because he he understood, and I, I hope that we all understand that even little kids can hear from God. You know, there's no junior Holy Spirit. There's no junior God. Like, God can speak to a little kid the same way he speaks to an adult. Now, it may be a little bit different, you know, may it look a little, yeah, of course. But, you know, we really should take seriously when kids are saying things, especially when they're like, this is from God. And um, so he, he's like, okay, that's awesome. And and then a few years later, like, I end up actually going on a missions trip, like, two weeks to China. And um, But ever since that moment, I've had a burden for missions. And I know... You know, someday my wife and I are somehow going to be involved in missions. I don't know what it's going to look like, but we do have a a, a burden for missions, you know. And and uh, but that was like probably one of the first moments I've had. I remember. Wow, that's so awesome! It just and that was a very young age, and you know, like at a young age, God is was already telling you, "I'm going to use you. I'm going to use you." You know, that's mm-hmm. that's really awesome. Um. So, was there a time, like, I, I know you kind of said, like, some stuff you were going through, but, like, was there another time you ha- you were having some, like, difficult, like, you know, like, you know, saying in the past or, you know, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, yeah, kind of going off of a little bit what I was saying earlier about just, you know, that pressure that I started feeling. That's, like I said, that's where I felt like it all shifted. You know, of course, I wasn't the perfect child. I had my, you know, there's lots of themes. But where I really feel like, specifically with my relationship with God, where things started to get wacky was when we moved here. And that was when I started feeling this pressure and of, like, this performance almost. Of, like, I can't disappoint. I got to be good. And so I was started just keeping everything inside, not letting people know what was going on. I couldn't, you know, I got I had to be perfect. And with that caused a lot of turmoil, as you would 
imagine, you know, because it, it made me feel like I, I, I had to be perfect, but I didn't feel perfect. You know what I mean? And, um, and so then I ended up kind of just doing this, you know, for quite a few years. Um, and it becomes tiring when you do that, that kind of with God, and it just becomes this religion of this to do, it becomes tiring and it just becomes bitter, honestly. And so I started getting very bitter with the church and, and it wasn't, this wasn't satisfying to me. And, and so I started really desiring the world and desiring what the world could offer me. And so I started getting into some trouble. Um, I, I, I actively was looking for trouble. It seemed like every summer I was getting grounded with different things. And one of the big things was relationships, specifically with, with girls. And because I felt like I needed, I, I don't know, I just felt like, because my parents told me, you can't date. You know, they didn't want me dating. And so I almost kind of felt like this, oh, why can't I date? You know, like, I'm going to try this out. I'm going to test this out. And, and so then it, I just started dabbing with these other things, got in very toxic relationships um, and that just weren't good. And then I was trying to get into drugs and alcohol. Like, this is what was crazy. You know, my name, Ian, actually means um, God is gracious. And looking back now, like, I can see the hand of God's grace, like, in everything that throughout those teenage years because I was trying to get into drugs and alcohol. I, I took a couple classes at the high school, like a mechanics class and a Spanish class and stuff. Um, and when I went there, I instantly just got connected with, like, the wrong group of people, like, just the wrong friends. And and it definitely was, like, just because I was I was actively looking for that. And... And so I, I ended up trying to get, like I said, drugs and alcohol and stuff. And, and I had these, this friend who was, who was going to, um, uh, get me, get me some drugs, actually some, some marijuana. And he, he was going to meet up at, with me, uh, at this, uh, KFC by my house, uh, my parents' house. And it was late at night. So I started texting him and I had like this dumb phone at the time. So I started texting him. I'm like, Hey, you still good to meet up at so, so it was like two o'clock or something. And he's, and I all of a sudden started receiving texts from him and my texts were coming in coded. Like literally they look like code. Like they were symbols. They were number numbers and random letters. And they came in like tons of chunks. Like I got like five messages and just like all code, like weird stuff. And it kind of freaked me out. I'm like, what the heck's going on? Like, what the... And so I didn't... I ended up not meeting him. I ended up not going out and getting what I was looking for. And and so I just kind of chilled. Um, and that... I knew that was a moment. I knew that was God who coded that message. I kid you not. Like, I really believe that was God who coded that message because it kept me from getting into that. And so it seemed like every time I was about to take a step really deep into the world, really deep into some of these things that I could have got really messed up on, I would get grounded. So not too long after that, I ended up getting grounded. Got my phone taken away. I just, I couldn't do anything. And there was tons of moments like that. Like I said, every time I was trying to do something, I'd get grounded. And I kind of knew it was God. And so I was getting mad at God. <laughs> like I, I was telling God, like, God, stop it. Like, stay out of my life. Because I, that was the thing is I had, I, I had this relationship with God and I knew God was the only way. I knew he was the only way. And I knew God was real because I would encounter him. You know, we go to like these camp times, these summer camps, and I would like, I would feel the presence of God. I would 
you know, receive words from him and, you know, I, I, I would encounter him all the time. Hold on. I, th- I think it cut off there a little bit. I think your spectrum. Internet oh, is... shoot. Oh, no. I think last thing I heard was you had you always encountered him. Okay. Okay. So, so yeah, yeah I, go I, ahead. Sorry. Okay. So I, I would always, you know, I would have these encounters with him, but um, I it was just this toxic relationship. I would only really go to him when things were really in trouble or if I needed something from him. And, you know, and if things were good, I would kind of get distracted again and I would just go off until things got really bad. And then I would kind of be like, hey, God, you know, if you help me with this, like I'm kind of going to repent to you. I'm going to turn back to you. Like I'm going to give you all. And then same thing. It was just this roller coaster. And so, so there's this. Why do you think that was happening? Because, you know, you obviously knew that God is real, but why do you think you kept doing that? Like, why would you keep, why did he keep doing that, you know? Well, the the thing that I know why it was, was because I, God became a, a to-do list to me. It wasn't necessarily a relationship anymore. I still knew it was about a relationship, but what my understanding of it was, I was feeling like this, all this pressure of like performance and being good and looking good. And, and so I would just, I would only read my Bible really just to make sure that people knew I was reading my Bible or like I would lead worship, you know, just to show like, Hey, yeah, I'm, you know, I worship God. And so there's a lot of this facade things going on. It's just this mask of, I look like a good Christian, you know, I look like a good pastor's kid. Just like in the outside, you look one way in the, but in the inside, you were a whole different way. Exactly. Exactly. Because I was struggling with like, I was struggling with my identity, like who I was. I was struggling with pornography. I was struggling with, you know, just all these different things, these emotions, these unhealthy, you know, relationships. Like I was, but I wouldn't let anyone, I wouldn't open up to anyone and I wouldn't let God, you know, like take care of them because I, I, I was trying to handle things on my own and I didn't, and almost deep down, I didn't want things to get fixed in a way. You know what I mean? Like, especially like, like the whole, I wanted to, I started to desire like the world. I was like, okay, what's this going to be like? You know, am I missing something out? That was a big question I always ta- ask myself. Am I missing, am I missing something? You know, is there something I'm not getting? Is there something better? You know, and so that kind of drove that. And so when you walk with God like that, it's never going to work, you know, because it becomes tiring. Like it, it really becomes tiring. It just becomes like this religion. It leaves a bitter taste in your mouth. Because you know you're fake. You know it's not, you know, what you're having is not real. And, you know, it's not satisfying. Because God doesn't just want just that little bit. You know, he wants it all. Because when you're holding back from him, like, you're, you're just, you're cutting yourself short. And I was cutting myself short. And so um, there was this one summer where I got into some really big trouble. I, And, again, like, God exposed it before anything really, like, horrible could happen. Um, we, I ended up like the cops even got involved and um like another family got involved and I had to a family came over to talk to my family and then I I had to talk with my parents and then I ended up having like to talk with the worship team and like other ministries that I was involved in because I had to step down because and this was like when I was seven seventeen, I think. About to turn eighteen. So I was seventeen. And so I got in some really big trouble. And it was really this moment where because my parents had been dealing with this for a while and they 
what really impacted me, what really kind of made me realize was that my parents felt so, they almost weren't surprised at that point. They felt very hurt and they almost weren't surprised. And, and they're like, we're going to figure this out. We're going to walk with you, you know, but you know, we don't know what to do anymore. And, and I had hurt and I knew I had hurt them and I, and I just could feel that. And that was when I was probably lowest in my life. I was so depressed. I was so confused. Like I didn't know what I wanted. I wanted church because I knew God was the only way. And I knew that he, he was real, but what the way I was doing it was like, so fake. And I didn't like that. And then the world was, it was just hurting me, you know, and I knew that wasn't going to satisfy me. And I was like this feet in both camps and it was, I felt torn, felt confused. And I felt like I had hurt everyone. I had hurt myself, didn't know what to do. And, uh, yeah. And so that was kind of one of, that's probably the lowest point of my life, honestly, was right there. Was I think oh. that was, yeah, 2018 or 2018. 19? 2018, I think. I do want to say something because I know your your dad has preached about about this. But there's one thing that always like stuck out to me when, um, man. So he would, what he, if I remember when he preached, he said that he would call you something and you would get mad. And then he said that he was, he was never going to stop telling you who you were. But I forgot what he yeah. kept calling you. What was it? Um, <coughs> was it a, no. Was it a pastor? No. I don't remember, but I, I just remember your dad, like, said that he will always be like. Yeah. Oh, my God. I'm trying to blame you right now. I wish he, I would well, remember. I, I know what you mean, though, because he he would say he wouldn't always say <coughs> what what I'm, we're trying to think of, but he would yeah, he I would always think of remind it. me. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. Well, this is what's amazing is that like parents have such an influence, and parents need a battle. Like they can, just can't give up because I was so broken, I was so lost, even inside the church family, a pastor's family, and even knowing like relationship with Jesus and knowing like this was it. I felt so broken and, you know, life wasn't perfect. My parents weren't perfect, but that was one thing was my dad would always, whenever I would get in trouble, whenever I keep doing, you know, just stupid stuff. And even at that point where I was so broken, like he, he would always remind me like, Hey, you know, this is, God has made you, you know, this way, like God has called you in, like God has appointed you, you know, and he would just speak life over me and just remind me like who I was. And I hated it for a long time, especially when he did it in front of people, because it made me feel it honestly, it made me feel very disappointed in myself in a way. And so I was like, you know, stop it. Like, cause that's not me. That's not me. Cause I wasn't feeling like that. I felt like I, cause I have everything just going on inside. And, and, and so I hated that, but honestly it did. It was always in the back of my head. Like, because he always reminded me of it because he was always calling out like bigger things in me and like calling me out, not just from what he thinks, but like calling, saying like, Hey, this is what God is calling you, you know? God has called you and it was always in the back of my head. So I could never forget of like, yeah, you know, like I know God has called me. I know God is chasing after me. So, and it, it helped. It did. I mean, it didn't help me not make stupid decisions, but I didn't lose the truth. If that makes sense. And that's why I agree so much, you know, like, you know, if you're a parent out there, like struggling with your kids, you know, don't give up on them. Don't give up. Yeah. Cause you know, Ian and I are both like I I can tell you something. My mom was on her knees praying, like 
when I would go out to parties, my mom like knew and she would be on her knees praying and praying and praying for me. So don't give up, you know. Mm-hmm. That's why it says prayer changes things, you know. Um, I do. So, you know, after you got in trouble and, you know, after you, you know, got stepped down from the, you know, worship team. Um, mm-hmm. Like what, 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 what was your life like? What was did it keep going downhill or was it starting to go up a little? Well, so at that point, I was just so low. I was so um, hurt. I almost it almost was like this moment where I kind of realized like the brokenness of the world, the, like the brokenness of living in sin. You know, because I, I mean, obviously we're all sinners. We all, you know, but I. I just felt so broken and I felt so confused. And like I said, I felt so torn. And so that was um, December, I think it was December 2017, actually, or November. And so I was, I was grounded, <laughs> obviously. I was grounded, but we, um, I was just about to graduate. I was graduating midterm, so in December. And um, I was trying to figure out what I want to do with my life because, like I said, I was confused with everything in my life. I didn't know what I wanted to do or where I wanted to go. Or, And so um, there was this uh, discipleship program in Cyprus. It was called Gateways, Gateways, uh, Gateways Through Cyprus. Or Gateways Beyond Cyprus, that's the word. Gateways Beyond Cyprus. And um, it was this ministry, basically it was this uh, discipleship school that was started by this Messianic Jewish family. And what it was, was it wasn't necessarily like a school where you would go and get a degree or study or anything like that. It was a community. So these people lived there in Cyprus and they invited, invited students to come live in the community with them uh, to pursue God and worship God. And they had a, they had land. And so they had vineyards and olive groves and stuff there in Cyprus. And so you would help them with the land and help them with the, you know, whatever they were doing. Um, and so they that was an option that I had actually pushed aside because I didn't I thought it was like a five-month program and I didn't I was like I'm not going to waste my time with that I want to get money or something or just you know figure something else out and but then all this happened and my parents encouraged me like maybe you should go in and I said I, I said yes and the reason I said yes wasn't because I thought it was going to be a great place but I wanted to get away from everything because I had just been around all this and, and I felt, I just, like I said, I felt so confused and I thought I just need to get away from Columbus. I need to get away from Nebraska. I need to get away from my family and friends and just be alone. Basically, you know, I just need to go be alone. That's why I really felt, I just wanted to be alone. I felt so depressed. And so on the way there, um, I ended up, I told God on the plane, I'm like, God, something needs to change. Because I said, I know you're real. I know you're the only way, but I can't do this anymore. Because like I said, it was this roller coaster of emotions of, of life. And it, it was hard and it's bitter. And that, that's not the way Jesus wanted it to be. And so I said, yeah, I'm not going to do this. I'm going to walk away from you if something doesn't change. And obviously it wasn't God who needed to change. It was me, you know. But... I felt like, God, you need to change or something. You know, I didn't know what, honestly. I just was like, something needs to change. So once I once I went there, um, I ended up, like, God just transformed my life. 
And like I said, they, they would have a teacher come in every week. The way it worked was they had a new teacher every week. We have a couple of days where the guy would teach, kind of like a preaching. Like, you know how you would have a, a, like a, what's the word, conference in a way? You know, a teacher comes in and teaches for a couple of days and then everyone leaves. That's kind of how it was, but it was a lot smaller. There was only like 20 students there. So these teachers would come in, or preachers, and they come and teach and preach very intimately. And and then we'd have like a day we went to go work on the land. We have a, a Shabbat day you know, just of resting. Then we, on Sundays, we would go into different churches and different groups throughout Cyprus. And, but every morning we'd wake up every, like two times every morning, every week and go on a run. And then after that, pretty much every morning we'd have prayer and worship. And what prayer would be like 30 minutes to 45 minutes. And then worship would be it, basically anywhere, however the Holy Spirit wanted to be. It could be an hour. It could be, I think we have had one even when it was, like three or four hours one time worship session. And so basically the whole point of it was just pursuing God, pursuing the presence of God, pursuing him and whatever he's doing. And God trans. All right, guys. Um, it cut off because someone didn't pay their internet bill. Um. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. No, Spectrum around here right now is is having some issues. I know a family who lost their internet all last week. Like they're having troubles. <laughs> Man, I use I use I, I use not to bash on Spectrum, but you know I think everyone just needs to go to Aloe in Columbus. <laughs> Is it better? <laughs> That's what I hear because I I have a lot of coworkers that switched to uh, Aloe because they were tired of Spectrum. But um, yeah. Anyways, um. So if you guys didn't catch that last part, um, so I think Ian, you're talking about how you guys would in the mornings, you guys would do prayers and then for like half an hour. And then you said you will worship and it just depend how the Holy Spirit moved. Um, could you continue with that part? Yeah. Yeah. So basically I was, I was just, you know, sharing like how, yeah, just the format of the school was so much about pursuing the presence of God. You know, there'd be times we were worshiping. Or, you know, we stop worship. You know, it, it, it was just all following the Holy Spirit and so many good teachers. And and so it was just an atmosphere of really a, a place of connecting with God like I never had before or experienced before in a way. And away from my family, away from all my friends and everything. And it wasn't. And these people didn't know me. You know, I knew like one person there, two, two people there. But they no one else knew me. And. So it was very easy to like just be open, you know, and let people know, okay, this is what's going on in my life. This is what, you know, what's happening. And they would just be like, give it to God, turn to God, turn to God. And uh, yeah, God really transformed me there. Wow. Were there like, were there like kids there or like people there like that were going kind of like in the same situation as you? Um, yeah, there's a few other students like that, you know. They, one of my friends kind of was at that situation. He, uh, he had just rough life and stuff and he was also just kind of searching for God. And so he, his sister had come to the school and so he ended up deciding to come to the school. So there was, there was a few students like that. Yeah. Wow. So the way you came into that, um, into Cypress, you would come out a whole different person. Would you say so or no? Oh, yeah, definitely. 
So what what was the thing that really like the most imp- that really impacted you the most out of that out of that whole experience? Kind of, you know, there there was there was honestly so much. I mean, it was five months there, and it was just like it almost felt like God was just like it was like a domino effect. God's like, this is going to happen, and this is going to happen. This is, and He was like domino effecting, like dealing with things in your life. It was almost like Danny, you've been in the God encounter, right? And so we had we had an uh they, we did have like an encounter weekend, like a week basically, where it was like an inner healing week there. But it felt like, honestly, like every, the whole time there was inner healing because it was just like God was shifting things in my life and like just showing me. And, and all, honestly, the overall package, I would really say that that kind of summed it all up for me was he, he broke me down and really took me back to what does it mean to have a relationship with God? Because I had, I had missed that for so long. You know, like I said, it just became a to-do list for me and just, you know, being close to God because that's what people expected me to be, you know, pray because or read my Bible, you know. And so God had to break it down and show me, okay, what does it mean to have a relationship with me? And one of my issues, too, I hadn't said was um, that when it came to my relationship with God, too, I wanted to look like other people. So, like, you know, we would have guest speakers come in. Um, like a, a prophet or an evangelist come into a church. And I would think, okay, that's the pinnacle of being like having a relationship with God. Like I want my relationship. I want my, you know, to, you know, my ministry or whatever, you know, being close to God to look like that. Or, you, you know, you know, my dad, you know, he's this, he's very uh, unique guy, you know, in a good way. And the way he pursues God is, is really awesome. And I felt like I had to replicate that. Like I had to be that. I had my relationship with God had to be like that or else I was failing. And so God gave me this analogy when I was there in Cyprus about how, okay, he, he, he told me, he's like, so this, the same relationship that I have with, with a pastor, my dad, isn't their same relationship that Daniel, you have with pastor or, you know, the same relationship that I have with my brother isn't the same relationship that my sister has with my brother because we're different people, you know? And so God had to show me, he's like, Ian, for so long, you've been trying to replicate like other things. You've been doing it because you've had to, and you're just trying to make it look good like other people, make it look like other people's. But he's like, Ian, I want a relationship with you, like for who you are, who you truly are. And he's like, it's going to be unique. Like, it's not going to look like your dad's. It's not going to look like that evangelist you saw. It's not going to look like, you know, your best friends. Like, it's going to look like you and me. And and that really shifted it for me. Because when I got that, it it, it went back to this, it, it went back to this relationship. And there was so much pressure that was relieved. Because it was like, oh man, I don't have to, I don't have to fill the expectations that people are putting on me. I just have to be in a relationship with God how he wants me to have it. And so that transformed for me. And honestly, that's like the biggest thing now as a youth pastor, especially because I have a lot of youth students who have grown up in church as well, been in the same situation I've been in, just of this, you're doing it because it's what your family does. And I try to remind people so much now and like, hey, you know, it's more than just doing or just, you know, it's about having it on your own. You can't live off your parents' faith. 
You can't live off of your pastor's faith or your, your best friend's faith. Like you have to make your faith your own. You have to make that relationship with God your own. And yeah, it might not look like everyone else's, but that's okay. It's two, you, you and God are two different, you know, it's a different relationship than your pastors or, you know, and so, um, that's one thing that transformed me when I, when I finally got that. It took a while for God to, to for God to like, uh, show me it, but it, it happened, you know? Dude, I've never seen it that way. Like how you were saying, like, it, it is so true. Like everyone's relationship with God is unique in their own way. Exactly. It's, like he, he talks yeah. to us in the way that we can understand. So the same way you, God speaks to you, Daniel, is not the same way that God's going to speak to me. Because we're two different people, you know, and which is so amazing about God that he's so intimate and so personal, you know, and it, it makes me just love him so much more because it's, it's just, he cares, you know, but yeah, so it's awesome. So when you came back to, uh, cause Cyprus is where you also were able to go to Israel, right? Yes. Yeah. We, we took a month trip to Israel. And, um, how, how was that for, how, how was that experience? That was pretty awesome. <laughs> it was really cool to just kind of see some of these places where where um, you read about in the Bible and just the environment or just overall. And it's such, it really is a very spiritual place. And you can feel that, like in the spirit. You can feel the turmoil. You can feel, you know, certain areas. You can just feel his glory. And it just, and it, I had a, one of, actually a very big encounter with God there in Israel. Um, we were at, the place, um, shoot, now I'm drawing a blank now on this too. Um, it, it basically was where they said it was around the area where, if you remember when David was bringing home the Ark of the Covenant to back to Israel and he brought it back on carts and then it ended up falling. And then he ended up just leaving it at some guy's house. That that was the area we were kind of staying in. So kind of where that, that Ark was resting. And you know, I don't think the exact house we were staying in was there, but it you know it was around that area where the ark had been dropped was off. Was that where uh, where God blessed the the household too? Yes, Isn't that what yes, it says? A, oh, yeah. okay, yeah. Something so like it that, was yeah. in that area. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's kind of like where that they had they said that that was you know kind of that area, and I had a huge encounter with God's love there. We were staying at this hotel. This um, uh, this basically in type of thing. And, uh, we were, I was in just doing morning devotions and, and I was reading, I just felt God was leading me to read, uh, each of the crucifixions in each of the gospels. And this is right before breakfast. You know, there's some people making breakfast and I'm just sitting there on the couch and, and I just start reading it and the, just God just starts breaking my heart like I felt like you know when when it was talking about like Jesus looking at Peter with like these loving eyes you know and and I I literally it felt like Jesus was like looking at me and and just I I don't even know how to describe it but so that was happening I was sitting there on the couch they were making breakfast and that was happening and I just started crying and I didn't want to like just be crying in front of everyone so I went back to my room and I just kind of started crying I was just thinking okay this is going to be a moment and as I kept reading, I, I started to feel like I was going to explode. Like from the inside, I felt like I was going to explode. And and it was just this overwhelming, like 
just his love. Like that's all I could, I would, all I could think about, all I could say was like, man, he loves me. He loves us so much. He loves me so much. And I was like hunched over and one of the leaders came in and he's like, uh, hey Ian, are you okay? Like, is it all good? And I'm like, all I could say to him was like, he loves us so much. Cause I was like bawling. He's like, he loves, I was, all I could say was he loves us so much. He loves us so much. And he's like, he didn't really know what to do. So he kind of like put his arm on me. He's like, oh, okay. You know, like, that's awesome. That's awesome. And so he just starts praying for me a little bit. And I'm like, and I'm like sitting there bawling and weeping. And then I just look at him. I'm like, I just want everyone here to experience this, like his love. And so he's like, okay, pray. So I just prayed that out really quick. I was in there for about like 15 more minutes. I finally came out. They had to save me a bowl of oatmeal because I took so long. And they're like, are you okay, Ian? And I'm like, yeah, I'm okay. Or just, I just encountered God like never before. And then that morning in worship, like everyone, that was the theme. Like everyone had encountered his love that morning and just overwhelmed by his love. And it was just so cool to see, you know, and just it, that, it was such a cool experience there in Israel. That was probably one of the biggest moments I had there in Israel with God. Wow. Um that that's 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 really cool and um so um because after israel you you came back to the states right yeah we we went yeah well we went back to cyprus one month and then we went on mission trip for a month and then we came back to the states so when you came back when you came back um what like did your family see a big difference in you or what, what different, what difference do you see in, in like, did people see a difference in you when you came back? Yeah. Yeah. The people like, I, I seem like a different person to people and uh, yeah, definitely people could see the change and my wife, you know, before this was before we were dating or anything. And cause I was, I was kind of a jerk before and, and uh, but when I came back, like, she even noticed the change and she was like, Oh, this guy's actually pretty nice. Like I had changed. <laughs> he's so not much. a jerk anymore. <laughs> yeah. He's not a jerk. He's, you know, like he's actually, he's actually legit now, you know, like he's cool. So it, yeah, I definitely was transformed and you know, it was like this, I brought this song back from Cyprus. Um, we had done there and it's called the head to the heart. We've done it. I think Daniel, have you played that song with us yet? For worship uh, i don't think so head we'll have to do that because it what it is it says a head to the heart and it's by united pursuit i believe in and it just talks about going on this journey with god from taking things from your head and take bringing them to your heart and that's like what happened it wasn't anymore that i was just knowledge because i was so much knowledge i knew memory verses i knew my stories i knew the right answers to questions and but then all of a sudden it just be, it didn't become knowledge to me anymore but it became who I was it was in my heart now like my love for Jesus wasn't just because people told me I needed to or cuz I knew it was good it was because I truly loved Jesus and that, that it was literally like this boom everything just dropped to my heart and it became who I was and yeah so it was it was awesome it was really cool and so um like, is that when you like started looking into becoming a youth pastor, or how did that turn out? So, or like, cause um, I'm guess I'm I'm guessing you were like now getting more involved in the church, right? 
Yeah, yeah. I was getting more involved in the church and just um, I, the thing was though I knew I wanted to go back for my second year, so I want to go. I want to go again, and so I that was kind of my my goal. I saw I was raising money again, just to go back for the next year, and uh, so I didn't really have too much on my mind at that point, like what I, you know, what I wanted to do. I just knew I want to go next year, but when things started really shift for me, well, I what I would say is that. I knew that I the call that God had placed in my heart at a young age of being in the ministry or just, you know, I knew that was going to be part of my life now. I didn't know where or when or what, you know, but I had pushed that away for so long. But now that had been reignited because all I wanted was to follow Jesus. And so um, he I, I went back to Cyprus, but that was the year of 2020. So um we didn't, I mean, we didn't know at the time. We don't really have phones and computers while we're there. So we don't have news or anything. So we had no idea what was going on in the world. And when we went to Israel that year, so it was like, it was February. And then the beginning of March, we were going to go to Israel. And so right before we leave for the airport, they're like, hey, by the way, you guys need to just be aware that there's going to be people who are going to be wearing masks, maybe, or even like full body suits or like, because there's like this virus going around, but we're just going to pray that it's going to be okay, you know? And so we're like naive. We're like, we had no idea what was really going on. We're like, oh, okay. And we show up there and there was like guys wearing like full on like masks, like gas masks and stuff. And I'm like, what is this? You know, like it was kind of scary because we had no idea. So they haven't shut down any borders or anything like that yet. So we go to Israel and we end up getting stuck in Israel. Because in Israel is when they started shutting everything down. And we end up, yeah, just shutting down and uh, getting stuck at just this inn. And we can't travel anywhere. We have to stay in this place. And so the leaders are deciding what we need to do. And they eventually decided the students need to go home. So we end up getting sent home, which was crazy in itself because the, the leaders had to end up packing our bags in Cyprus because we couldn't go back to Cyprus. We went straight from Israel back home. Mm-hmm. So we had only packed for Israel, you know, thinking we were going to go back. But no, they, the leaders had to pack our stuff for us, which was funny because I have some of my friends' stuff and they have some of my stuff. So they we mixed basically a lot. Had just remember. Yeah, we had, they basically, what they said was, hey, you just need to remember what you have, where it's at, and write it down the best you can, and then we're going to have to figure it out. <laughs> so it was, that was crazy. But once I got back, everything was shut down. I had to, I had to quarantine for two weeks. So I was kind of just alone in my room because, you know, we had been traveling all this stuff. And, and, uh, and so I didn't know what I was going to do. I thought I was going to be there for another three months, you know? And so I'm just praying like, God, what do you want me to do? And, uh, God had, uh, there was this dream that this, one of these teachers had shared. This was my first year. Okay. So this, all this was had my second year, but going back to my first year, one of the speakers had come and he shared a dream that he had, and he was just giving his testimony. And it, in one of his dreams, he had this dream of of him going up to this really old guy. There's like bright lights and everything. And he goes up to this old guy and he grabs this guy by the hips and he starts shaking. And as he starts shaking, the guy starts shaking, and and then he wakes up. And he asks God, "Okay, God, what does this mean?" And God said you're going to be, you're going to support your dad's ministry. Like you're going to go and support what your dad is doing in ministry. Cause he was a pastor's kid as well. 
and his pastor had a ministry, but he was way, like, I don't know how old he was, but he had his own ministry and everything. And he ended up going and serving his dad then and supporting him in his ministry um, for a long time. And when he shared that story my first year, the Holy Spirit like turned my stomach and like I felt this punch in the gut. And he's like, that's going to be you someday. And I was like, okay, you know, cool. Because one of the big things was I didn't like my dad for a while because of just this this tension going on in the house and just what was going on. And, and, and so I never wanted to work with my dad. And even to that point, even once God transformed me, I still didn't really think I was going to work with my dad. I didn't want to, you know, because I'm like, I want to do my own thing. And so uh, God told me that. And I told one of my friends, I'm like, God told me I'm going to help serve my dad someday in his ministry. And so I was thinking, man, this is going to be years and years and years down the line. You know, when my dad's old, you know, and he can't walk or something. You know what I mean? And so uh, I end up coming back home 2020 and just praying what I need to do. And God brings that dream back up to me. And I'm like, okay, you know, like what? What are you trying to say? Well, I knew what he was trying to say. I was trying to kind of get out of it because he brings this dream back up to me. And I knew, like God was saying, the time's right now. Like, you're going to serve your dad right now. And and so I'm like, God, are you serious? And so I I kind of uh, stopped. You know, I stopped praying. And I didn't, I didn't ask God about that for a couple of days. Like, it was one of those things where I just knew. And I didn't want to talk to God about it because I really didn't want to stay. I was in this place of saying, God, I want to go wherever you want, but I kind of want to go back to Cyprus to be an intern because I wanted to actually maybe be a leader there. That's where I felt like God was putting me or leading me, but he ended up having kind of other plans. And so um, a few days later, I go back into prayer and same thing. He brings this dream back up to me and I'm like, God, I'm like, okay, like what, what am I even going to supposed to do here? You know, like what? And I just heard God say, you're supposed to serve, honor, and support your dad in your in his ministry right now and what he's doing with the church. And I'm like, ah, okay. And, you know, what was amazing about God is he said, he's like, you know, if you do, he's like, if you choose to go to Cyprus, he's like, it's not a bad choice. It's not going to be a horrible choice, but it's not the choice I would have for you. And so it was like this. You, he's like, you can go with this one where I'm leading you, where I really want you to. And you can go with this. It's not bad. But this is this is what I really want. And so and so I was like, okay, God, I, I want what you really want, you know. And so I said, okay, I'll stay. But I, I told God, I'm like, I need a, maybe another job or something. I said, give me a sign that this is actually what you want for me to stay. And so um, he, I had this other guy, a friend in the church, who has his own business, uh, Aaron Ruka, you know him, Daniel. And so he, uh, he ended up, I, I was helping him that day, literally that day when I finally decided, I'm like, okay, God, you got to give me a sign or something. And that day I went to go help him with a delivery with one of his furniture. And he's driving, as we're driving there, he's like, hey, Ian, you know, I just felt like, do you want to come on as a part-time employee with me? And, and I was just, I was kind of shocked because I'm like, I hadn't told anyone what I was thinking. I told, hadn't told anyone. And he ends up offering me this job and I'm like, okay, this is a sign. And so I told him like, I'm like, Aaron, don't tell anyone. I haven't even told my dad, but like, you just confirmed like what God is calling me to right now. And so then I ended up talking to my dad and 
and talking with the staff and stuff and saying, you know, I'm going to, and what they needed at that time was a youth pastor. And so I said, I'm going to stay and, and serve and, and fill the youth pastor role or youth director role at the time. So, yeah. So that's kind of how it all happened. I want to ask something because like this has been coming in my head. Like I know there's a lot of people out there that like sometimes they <coughs> wonder like, is this really God that's speaking to me? And so like, I want to ask you like, when when you like you know when you hear like God is speaking to you, do you do you always feel like okay God, if this is from you, like like give me a sign, you know? Is that like one way you use like is that one way that confirms you that God you know is speaking to you, or is there like different ways? Cause, yeah, I because I I'm sorry because I know for me like. Like, sometimes, I'm, you know, I'm like, okay, is this actually from God or not? Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, I totally know what you mean. Like, I, um, we, that was one big thing that, that we were always talked about there in Cyprus was, like, hearing the voice of God, it's, it's actually, you're learning to hear the voice of God. Hearing the voice of God isn't necessarily something that, yes, we're made to be in relationship with God. Yes, we, we. God, Jesus says that yes, we'll recognize His voice, but we have to. We also we have to build almost that muscle memory and that kind of like, okay, this is how God speaks to me. Like going back to how God speaks to us in personal ways, and so there's certain ways that God will speak to us. Like for my, for example, my wife, she God speaks to her a lot in dreams. She's a very vivid dreamer, and. She didn't realize it for a long time until God really opened her eyes like, hey, I'm trying to talk to you in your dreams. But I hardly ever remember my dreams. If I ever do remember my dreams, I, I usually think it's God because I, I hardly ever remember my dreams. And so um, I, I, there's been a lot of times, especially, you know, when you, when you first are trying to build like, okay, that hearing the voice of God. And recognizing it, there's a lot of times where you're like, "Okay, God, give me a sign, you know, show me." And I did, I've, I've done that a lot of times. Now, has that always happened? It hasn't. And, and there, because I believe there are times where God will confirm things, you know, especially if you ask Him. I mean, you can see in the Bible, like, like Gideon. You know, we have that story of Gideon, how God confirmed that with him multiple times. And so, one big thing is to remember that, okay, first, God is okay with doubts. Like doubts don't necessarily mean that you're missing the mark or you're, you know, you're because Jesus himself had a disciple. They nicknamed him Doubting Thomas because he doubted so much. So doubting isn't the problem. Um, but sometimes we can't let our doubts get in the way when we do really know it's God. Sometimes we there is that time of like, OK, God, I need you to confirm this and he'll confirm it. And then there's sometimes we say it. And this is kind of almost like a hard check. Sometimes we know it's God, but we say, give me a sign because you just don't want to do it. Or you just, you feel like I need 100% confirmation. And so sometimes I know that God doesn't confirm things, even when I ask him, because I know my, it's coming from a place of, I really don't want to do this. So you're going to have to really make it or show me very clearly, like you want me to do this and then I'll do it. You know what I mean? And so, um, that that's kind of what I would say say with that. But they, for example, when I was um, kind of learning how to be walking the prophetic and give prophecies and stuff, uh, there was a lot of times 
I would feel like I would have a word for someone or even have like a word for worship. You know, sometimes in worship, we have those words that God's giving. And there'd be times where I felt like I had something. But I was so I was so kind of insecure in the prophetic and like didn't I was like, I don't want to miss it. You know, I don't want to give a bad prophecy or like, you know, just be that really. And so I was like, God, I, I was trying to learn and God knew my heart was trying to learn and grow in the prophetic. And so there was a lot of times where I would say, OK, God, if this is what is you're speaking to me, can you give it to someone else? And so I kid you not, there would have been there were multiple times where I'd be like, oh, feel something. I feel like God was giving a word. And then someone else would give, like, speak out and and prophesy almost like the same exact word that I was thinking of or, like, you know, the same thing that I was feeling. And I knew, okay, that was a confirmation. And it built my faith. It was like God was showing me, okay, yes, you're hearing from me. Like, what you heard was right. What you And, and I started to build this confidence as with walking with God, knowing and learning, okay, I recognize this is how, God, you're speaking to me. And so then eventually I would start stepping out without anyone ever having a confirmation and start stepping out and saying, okay, I'm going to trust this as you, God, because this you've done this with me before, you know? And so God's a good father. He really is. He doesn't just leave us hanging or just leave us dry. But like any good father, he teaches his children. He teaches them how to go. And eventually, think of it riding a bike. You don't. A, a good father doesn't just throw them on a, a, a full-grown bike right away, right? They have training wheels. And so, like, I feel like God sometimes has those times in our lives where we have these training wheels with God. And he's just going with us, teaching us how to ride, teaching us how to do things. And, and eventually, he'll take off those training wheels and we'll just start going for it. And he'll, he'll still be there with us. He'll be walking with us, holding us. And then eventually, he'll just push us and let us go. And he's like, okay, you got it. I mean, one big thing was in uh, Jeremiah. When you look in Jeremiah 1, um, God, when God called Jeremiah, he said, you're going to be called to speak. He said, you're going to speak for me. You're going to be a prophet of the nations. And Jeremiah's like, I can't speak. So then what does God do? He touches his mouth. He equips him in the same way that God has called him. He says, I'm giving you to speak, so I'm going to equip you with speaking. So he gave him the words and equipped him. And, and then God gave him a, a prophetic vision. He gave him what he was going to be doing, prophesying. So he gave him a prophetic vision and God said, okay, what do you see? And Jeremiah said basically exactly what he saw. And God then taught him. He said, this is okay. Yeah. What you're seeing is correct. And this is what it means. And God did it again. He's like, okay, now what about this? What do you see? And Jeremiah said what he saw. And God's like, exactly. Now this is because of what you saw. This is what it means. And after that, it was like God was teaching him. And God opened my eyes to that. God was teaching him how to prophesy and, and equipping him. He didn't just say, okay, Jeremiah, you called. You know, now like, go have fun. You know, you're on your own. No, God's a good father. He's going to teach us. He walks with us. And he, he helps us learn, you know. So, yeah, it's just amazing how God works. Dude, it's so crazy what you're speaking right now. Cause I, I, so, like, yesterday... I gotta, I gotta share this. I have to, but okay. So yesterday in the morning, I like, like in my spirit, I felt like I needed to fast, right? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I felt like I had like this, like inside of me was this big thing of Daniel. You need to fast. You need to fast. Well, anyways, I ended, up, I ended up not fasting, you know, because I was like, eh, it's probably just my head or something. 
Well, I'll tell you <laughs> what. Yesterday, I got attacked so much by the enemy, dude. And, like, man, like, like, um, also, like, there's, a, there's this situation that's going on with my family that that happened yesterday, you know. And so, like, in me, I felt like, you know, God was telling me to fast for a reason, you know. But, mm-hmm. you know, I, I didn't listen to him, you know. And so that's how, you know how you said, like, he's preparing us. Yeah. You know, you know, he's like on a training wheel. Like, literally, like, that's how I felt, how I felt, you know, because, you know, <laughs> you know, God, because seriously, I'm not even lying to you. Like yesterday morning, dude, like I had I, I had that big desire to fast and I didn't. And then like that whole day just went, it went downhill like that, man. And mm-hmm. even the whole afternoon and. It is so crazy because, you know, God is, like, teaching us, preparing us, you know. And that's, I, yeah. I, I had to share that. I'm sorry, dude. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, so, um, so I guess I, I do want to ask, though, like, um, now that you're a youth pastor, like, like, what you went through, do, does that help you a lot, like, understand, like, you know, like the kids, like the youth that you are ministering, like, does that help you a lot? Like, like, for like, for example, let's say a kid's going through something and you can be like, well, yeah, I went through the same thing, you know, like, I yeah, feel like, yeah, like, that's why I feel like, like, I mean, like, I'm gonna be honest, like, sometimes I want to be sometimes like to myself, I want to say like, I'm ashamed of my past, but like, in reality, I'm not because if it wasn't for my past, I wouldn't be in in this situation I am right now. And I wouldn't like, like, like if someone came up to me and told me, Hey, I have, I have this porn problem. I can tell them cause I actually went through that. You know what I'm, you know what I mean? Yeah. So how, how's yeah. that for you as a youth pastor? Well, you know, it is, I mean, it's so amazing how God works because even the youth students that I have, because a lot of the youth students right now that I have, um, are a lot of them have grown up in church. They're part of ministry families. They, you know, they don't know anything else but just church and going to church. And and so what's so amazing is that there's this one time I was really struggling because, you know, going becoming a youth pastor. I had grown up in ministry, but I had never been a you know like a leader in a way. And so a lot of this stuff was very new to me. I mean, I hadn't gone to school like for this. Like it, I just decided I was going to jump in and I started doing schooling and I, I still am doing schooling like as I'm doing it. And so there was so much new things for me. And so there's a lot of times I felt like giving up and I felt like, man, this is so hard. Like I don't even know what I'm doing. Like I, there's a lot of unknown. And and there was this one time where God opened my eyes to like to show me that even the youth students I have, they 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 I know where they're at. You know, there's a lot of them who are were in the same situation that they're just doing things because it's what their family does. They're just living off the parents' faith or just, you know, they're just, they're struggling with that, making the faith their own and it just not being information in their head like it was for me. And so, yeah, even that, it's so cool that I can really relate to them in that way and just understand what it is to be in a minister's family and with the kids I have right now. And, uh, like I said, it's been an encouragement to me to see that God put me in this place. I know it was God to to minister to them because then, you know, I know where they're at. And then also just to see just the 
just just the way that that God, I mean, brings about a testimony that they can see, you know, the fruit of when you let God, when you really give God your all, when it just doesn't become knowledge. So they can see the testimony because they know my testimony. They know where I've come from. They know who I am. And so they know that it's more than just knowledge. And so it has helped a lot. It definitely has. Wow. And how about your relationship with your dad? How's that going? That is, it's going really good. It it definitely, working with your dad, you know, it, it, it's really weird because my dad's my pastor, my dad's my boss, and he's my dad, you know? So it's it's really, it's it's been a, a very interesting dynamic, especially in the beginning. There's a lot of learning curves because there was times where, you know, we were treating each other. We had to learn to be in the boxes, you know, when depending on what we were doing. You know, so when we're at home, when we're having family dinner or whatever, we can be father and son. You know, we hang out. When we're at work, we can still be father and son, but there has to be a different dynamic to it because there was a few times where I would treat him in a way, not as I would treat a boss, but as a father. You know, I would slack on some things. And and then I would, my dad was wondering, like, what? why is this thing's not getting done or whatever? And and it was just almost like this, this dad thing. You, you know what I mean? Just this family, like, it's okay. And then, and then my dad had to learn to, to treat me with like respect as he would treat any of the other staff because the same thing, there was a few times where the way he would do, say something to me or approach me with helping with something or doing something, it was more of this, Hey, you're doing this because I'm telling you to, and not this, Hey, this staff employee, like, can you help me with this? Or can you, what do you think about this? You know? And so we had to learn a lot of these dynamics of how to treat each other and how to, how to have the relationship as father and son, but also boss and an employee and, and staff. And so, but I think we've, we figured it out and it's, it's going really well. And I would say we've gotten a lot closer working with each other now, especially in ministry, because there's so many things going on. And so I would say we've gotten, it's been great to have him close and it's been great to, learn to do ministry with him, you know, which I didn't realize until, you know, I started getting into it that I was so grateful that my first ministry job was with my dad because there's so much grace, you know, when you're with your dad, you know, he, I can just go to his house and talk to him whenever I want and just be really honest and open, like with what things were like, what's going on. And, and he could have grace on me when I was struggling because I didn't know what I was doing, you know? But I could just really just turn to my dad and be like, hey, can you help me, like, teach me, like, show me, you know? And that's been such a great blessing. Wow. Um. So is there any advice you can give to anyone that's, you know, thinking about being, like, in a <coughs> pastoral position, you know, or thinking about becoming a pastor? Or even, even someone who's a youth pastor, like, what, what advice would you give them? Um, I would say never, never let your relationship with God become work because I, I, I have had to learn how not to do that. Cause I, I struggle with that. You know, sometimes I, I do where, you know, I get into my Bible because I have to get ready for a message 
or I'm praying because I have a youth student to pray for. You know, I there's a need to be met. Or, you know, there's you know, there's times where it's like I don't I feel like, you know, oh, I was at church all day and I was worshiping and doing all this stuff or and so I I don't want to spend time with God in my own personal secret place because I feel like it it's almost work. Like I just I just did all my work for God, you know. And so to learn to have that secret place with God and to really guard it, really guard it. And you have to intentionally guard that even in your heart. And you have to be honest with yourself. Like, okay, am I treating my relationship with God as work? And if you are, you you know, you need to be as quick as you can just to repent and say, okay, God, you know, help me with this. And be intentional in having more than just message prepping or more than just praying for other students, but like intentional in, God, I'm going to pray and talk to you because I want to, because I want to know you more and I want you to know me more. Or I just want to, you know, I just want to be in your presence. I just want to read scripture to learn more about you for myself, not just because I want to be a good pastor, you know? And it can be hard sometimes because like I said, it's it's our job in a way. But when you start to lose that, that's when ministry becomes really hard because then you're just carrying it on yourself. Because when you're not, when you're when you're not launching, so, well, it's almost like this cup type of analogy where if you're just pouring out, pouring out, pouring out, and you're never filling yourself up, you're not you're going to become dry. You're going to become empty, and it becomes it becomes you know hard. You know you can't minister out of dryness, and it's so hard. But when you fill yourself with the presence of God on your own in your secret place, and you make sure you guard that, then when you do ministry. It's not what you're producing. It's an overflow of what God's doing in you personally, you know? And so that's, that's my advice I would really give. And, um, man, I was going to, I just had a question on my head that I was going to ask you, but. Man, oh my gosh, dude, I forgot what I was going <laughs> to ask you. I had I it in my head. Like... Oh, okay. I remember now. Do you feel not like since you're a like pastor, do you feel like you get more spiritually attacked by the enemy? Um. Or or like, or not really? Cause I, you know, I, I would say so. Um, you know, I I would probably say so. You know, I, I think that sometimes, yeah, ministers may have, like, a target on their back. But I, I I mean, we all have, as Christians, we all have targets on our back. You know, the enemy is always trying to get at us. And um, now as ministers, like, yeah, we do. We all just have to be on guard. Honestly, I would just say we just all have to be on guard. Because, yeah, even if we are more spiritually attacked or, you know, like, we all still are accountable for being on guard. You know, and being on guard and and being on one big thing is like being open with others, like especially as a minister, is that sometimes you can feel like, oh, I can't. It almost feels like even your friends, you have to be the example or the minister for or, you know, and but to have people in your life where you can be not just the minister, but you can be open with and honest with and be like, hey, this is really what I'm struggling with. This is what's going on. Because when you do it in that way, 
you're, you're not trying to fight it alone or go alone. You have people around you who are there saying, okay, yeah, like, yeah, you, you're feeling attacked right now. You're feeling spiritually down. Like, I'm going to help you. I'm going to encourage you, you know. And so, yeah, that, that's kind of what I'd say. That's awesome. And, yeah, you know, I do agree. I feel like, like, yeah, like, you just be open, you know, be open up, you know. Um, I, I just, I just want to say this, too, because um, I, I thought it was, like, it kind of impacted me, you know, a little on Sunday. But I know, like, <coughs> like, after the service, I saw you, like, praying for someone. And, like, in my head, I was like, wow, you know, that's. Like that's just, that's so like I don't know it just impacted me you know because I don't know like I can't even explain it you know um I I probably explained to you on on a, when when we're not on the podcast but anyways <laughs> okay um, yeah um what advice would you give to like you know like someone that's struggling you know like that's going through something you know. Like, or like, um, you know, even losing their faith, you know. One, one big thing is, first off, remember what God's done in your life. It's so important to have, you know, if you don't journal, I, I don't really journal, but I write down when God does stuff. Because, you know, you need to just remember and hold on to, you know, there's many times where I struggle with, am I supposed to be a pastor here right now? And God would take me back because of the moment when I had wrote down what God was saying to me when I was in prayer, you know, years, a couple years before, um, when I was deciding to be a youth pastor, like I had it written down so I could remember and hold on to like, okay, yes, God, like you've said this, I can trust you. And you, you said, I ha you haven't said to leave yet. So I know you still called me here. You sort of remember what God's done in your life. And then also... To be to have people around you, it's so important to have community around you because walking with God was never meant to be alone. If if it was, Jesus would have walked alone, but Jesus didn't walk alone. He had brothers around him. He had disciples around him, and so to have people around you that you can be honest with, that you can do life with, and just and you know even if it's a couple people, you know one or two people where you can just open up and talk to what's going on because honestly a lot of things like I at least personally for me I found there's times where I was struggling when I finally could just open up and talk about it like I felt you know 80% better just from talking about it before they even said a word or before you know anything like just opening up and talking about it helped me like just feel better because sometimes we're so good about keeping everything in and so because yeah, it people around you and can help encourage you and and lift you up when you can't lift yourself up, you know, and so that's kind of what I would say to that. Wow, well, um, you know, I want to say thank you for being on the show. Um, I really, I really, I like, I love this episode. I love, I don't know, I, I, I've always enjoyed talking to you. Um, but is is there anything else you would like to say before we leave or? Um, well, well, thank you, Daniel, for having me on the podcast. This has been awesome, and I'm really glad. I know it's been in the making for <laughs> a little bit now, oh, yeah. but I'm really glad that we finally got it because, yeah, I enjoy talking with you too, man. Yeah, and, and I was, tr I was, 
I was hoping I could get you before you you go on vacation. And I I gotta I, I gotta I gotta I gotta get your dad too before he leaves to, for vacation too. Um. Oh yeah, I know. Two weeks. You got you got a week left. You guys leave on the twentieth. Yep, the twentieth. Oh, I'm excited for you. I'm excited. Yeah, it's um, gonna be awesome. Well, everyone, I just want to say thank you for tuning in. Um, so yeah, um, I hope this episode. You know, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. And sorry for the also for the interruption. We were having some technical <laughs> Blame spectrum. Blame yeah, spectrum. spectrum. <laughs> but I think it turned out good. Um, and you know, I do hope to have you Ian back on the on the show. You know, we well, could probably awesome. even talk. Yeah, I know. Even just, I was just thinking, dude, because like we, we were talking, I was like, we could easily just talk about like other stuff, you know. Oh, um, yeah. but um, I um, I just want to say also um, make sure you guys uh, you know, if you guys want to follow my our Instagram page, which is that which is testifying underscore uh, podcast. Um, and with that, I just want to say uh, thank you for tuning in, and till the next episode. Matthew 16, 24, 26 says, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything really worth more than your soul? Now really, ask yourself if there's anything worth more than your soul. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death, but God gives us eternal life. God wants us to repent from our sins. He wants us to turn away from our evil deeds and turn to Him. Repentance is when we confess our sins out loud and ask God to forgive us. You must believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our salvation. We must also accept God's gift of salvation through faith. Only you know how your spiritual life is with God right now. If you have walked away or even grieved the Holy Spirit, now would be the time to turn to Him. The first step is to ask God to forgive you and to truly believe and trust in God, that He will change your story, He will change your stubborn heart, and give you a tender, responsive heart.